you on Andy here. Hello, Andy. Oh, all right. Andy's uh, an old veteran of the pod now on your third or it's at least third, if not fourth. Um, yeah, it's it's been, we're almost at a handful. That's yes. incredible. Clutch. <laughs> But, uh, well, thank you for joining us. I don't know whether this is going to be tradition, whether every year we kick off with you, whether it seems unnecessary, but, you know, thank you for kicking off season three at the, at the very least. We, like for those start who at, don't, we start at the bottom, Nick, and then we can just work up from there. So Absolutely, yeah. The only way is up, right? Um, I, like to, know I, like, I like to reset every every year, like <laughs> reset expectations for the entire pod. So this is good. This, <laughs> I like being the annual guest. Give, it, give us the bar, and then, yeah, let, let me know how far we're going to go. Right, I'm going to get this sentence out so it kills me. For those who don't know, Andrew Hayes, Andy to his mother, is um, was was the commissioner of the Midwest Premier League, a founding father, um, someone who got got the league to a wonderful place, but um, has stepped down. I'm sure we will touch on that at some point. Well, I know we will, because I've got some questions. But... Um, but we wanted to get you on. Basically, this isn't going to be a build it like how do you start a club, et cetera, et cetera. This is more of a, a league review, hopefully of value to people outside of the Midwest, but Midwest Prem, but certainly of value, I'd have thought, to the 20 or so clubs that are within the Midwest Prem. And that alone, the fact that we've got 20 or so, how many clubs have we got now, give or take, officially? 20, how many 20, ended the season? 27. 27, geez, Louise. I mean, six, that alone is, is pretty damn impressive, right? That's scary, actually, if you sit around thinking about it, coming through from an idea that started on someone's kitchen table. So kudos to you guys and whoever else helped to drive it. Um, I don't know where to start with this. Uh, I guess season review. John is here in his capacity as, what are you? What were you, John, in the league? I'm uh, I'm hopefully someday soon to be the former uh, former president, but I'm currently still the president of the president Midwest versus commissioner. Premier okay, yeah, I, I don't really know what the difference between a president and a commissioner is. You're both middle-aged men with beards, as far as I can tell, and that's... <laughs> and are you going to settle down at some point? It's like talking to a five-year-old. <laughs> no, the answer, the, yes, it is like talking to a five-year-old. And no, I won't, I won't settle down anytime soon because I don't, I don't know, don't know how to sit still. Okay, as, uh, fair enough. As, as you guys are probably well, <laughs> know that by now. And I don't <laughs> I think I'm... either of you are really good at sitting still. Well, no. it's, I, feel, I, I know, I, try, I am very, very good at it. It is my favorite <laughs> thing to do, as my daughter will testify. But um, I've got a feeling that, yeah, with YouTube, just you, you are not Netflix and chill gentlemen at all. And I feel like that's <laughs> one of the reasons why the league is where it's at, because you don't sit resting your laurels and whatever. So um, without going on the negative stuff first, let's let's talk about the positive stuff. 27 clubs. How did the league get there? Word of mouth. Did you go and pilfer people? What what happened? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it started out really worked word of mouth a core group of folks who um who had either started or were running clubs uh, and we really started with just four clubs um back in the end of 20 toward the end of the end of 19 fall, 2019 yeah, of um and then recognizing that at the current uh, capacity uh, of old boys at the time wasn't going to be returning to where it was uh, John and I kind of connected and and bat, kind of batted the idea around of me coming on as an independent commissioner, uh, I guess initially, uh, or really just an independent voice um, to the to the group uh, to have a conversation to see where what makes sense for us to build uh, a league doesn't make sense. Uh, we obviously decided ultimately, yeah, it does, uh, and and to provide what we view as meaningful to clubs since we have all either run started or 
um, in some form or fashion been involved with with non-league soccer in the United States get in, get involved and, and try to build a to paraphrase a an idiot pundit on on one of the soccer channels uh, build a better mousetrap um, so <laughs> we I don't, we did that. I want it on record I like Lexi I don't agree with him but I like him I think he does it he does what he does very very well I, I would love to get one here like he's, I think he's outsmart me. He's, I'm not, he's, but. he's good. He's just, it just, it is, it is what it is. Um, he's fine. Yeah. No, so if I, if no, I, sorry. if I crush your chances of getting him on the podcast, Nick, my apologies uh, <laughs> in perpetuity. But we may have been able to exchange notes on cat weasel beards from the 1990s. It's fine. But. That's a British <laughs> reference. Nobody else will get. So. Right, sorry. Carry on, Andy. So yeah. Um, so with with that, we kind of started uh, with four clubs, and it really was word of mouth and just, hey, we're we're, we're this league, this burgeoning league. We wanna we wanna build something that that makes clubs feel like they're first. Um, and if you are on board with that, or you want to kind of have a conversation and dialogue, we'd love to talk to you. And I don't know that we really. I mean, it, we weren't pilfering any other leagues. We weren't really. You know, recruiting hard, but we were having open conversations, and I think um, a couple of us involved, namely namely John and, and some others, uh, not me, had built up a really good reputation as far as what they do in this space, and can intelligently and uh, you know somewhat dynamically share the vision of, of building a true grassroots league. So that's kind of how it started. Um, then our first year uh, was supposed to be in 2020, and we all happened there in terms of, uh, you know, most most soccer leagues taking either some type of hiatus or behind closed doors or, or no no supporters at the matches or whatever. So it, it allowed us time to kind of incubate the, the idea further and I think be in better position to kind of launch it fully in 2021. Uh, we had two divisions at the time, the East and the West, and was quite successful. Uh, I know we recapped that about a year, about a year ago. Uh, we recapped year one. Um, <laughs> And it was, by all intents and purposes, it was a rousing success for us, um, considering none of us, the most, the majority of us had not really had that experience at the league level before. Uh, so we jumped into 2022, and as John mentioned earlier, to kick the things off, we had grown to 27 clubs, um, up from, I, I want to say... We were right at 20. 20. We had 20, 20 and That's uh, right. 21, and then 27 and 22. That's right. We had 12 and 12 and eight. And so this year we, we grew to 27. Um, and we had added a South division to that. So as John mentioned, we're in six states as opposed to like the four uh, we started with. And it was a very success, another very successful season. Um, we had really tight top of the table races everywhere. Uh, it was, you know, it was down to the wire um, for for the east, uh, west, and even and even in the south, in terms of who was going to come out and emerge victorious for the and, and win the league, so or the division. So, really, really high level of, of soccer. Um, I thought from from watching some matches online, streaming those that did it, and again as a reminder, all should. Some didn't, uh, and that's fine. But we we were able to kind of preside over, quite honestly, a really exciting season uh no one went no one went totally undefeated which uh was was interesting to see and, and not 
the way it started off, it was uh, we we went and called it uh, like that. So really, really exciting, uh, really fun. And uh, but at the end of it, for me, uh, became a little, a little more of a something I wanted to do long term. It wasn't in line with that. So I think my best bets are, are at the club level, or my best uh, ability to to help influence or help save or help do whatever mm-hmm. in soccer. Is club related, not necessarily league related, but I, I enjoyed being part of the Midwest Premier League. Get it where it right. is. Cool. And we, speaking for everybody else, appreciate your efforts. I'm sure. Um, and I was dismissive. Would, <laughs> when you, when, I'm sure someone appreciates what you did, Andy. I don't know what you did. Anyway, um, when you say it was successful, um, what are your KPIs? He said with his professional hat on. What are we talking about? What are you grading success on? So for, for me, it's um, it's retention rate of clubs that that should be in that league. Uh, there are clubs that should not be. There were clubs that should not be in that in that first season, and I'm sure in the second season uh, the board's going to have a hard look at some clubs too. But those that that carry themselves professionally on the pitch and off, um, we have high retention rates for those. Uh, what we've we've seen, um, you know, we've, we've crowned uh, I guess a total of four um champions and bavarians did repeat uh, as champions this year on the last day of the uh season in the west um, and we had uh, again from a competitive perspective it was there, there we had a couple at the bottom of the table but no i only one or two matches were really bad in terms of the score line results about the blowout um we grew. We saw some some growth there. We saw, I think, a, a much improved social media product from the line, from the uh, from the league perspective. Video and, and marketing groups were unbelievably awesome this year. Uh, again, we had some volunteers doing that, and, and the way they were able to kind of really differentiate what our, our league product was relative to either uh, you know other similar leagues or, or those above or below us or whatever you want however you want to look at that. Um, I think we offered a very unique. Um, piece there a lot of core community focused clubs um growing kind of their brand and and, you know i think with with the exception of a couple incidents was relatively um you know went on without a hitch so as far as that that's concerned i mean i think we have the vast majority of folks will be back and and enjoyed it Uh, we've Mm -hmm. done postseason surveys year after year to engage, hey, what what else can we as a league do for you, the club? And we've we received very positive feedback on that. Something that's not necessarily super invasive, but gets the gets the message across that the league is definitely here for the club. Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, John. I'm conscious I'm hogging all the limelight. Well, Andy's hogging the limelight, but um, I'm curious. Just that last thing that you touched on about the, the feedback that you're getting from the clubs, largely positive. Um, can you give us an idea of stuff that the clubs themselves are liking that, well, yeah, stuff the clubs are liking and maybe even stuff the clubs aren't liking that you know might be tweaked going forward? You want me to take that one? That's either cool. yeah, either, yeah, go on. Well, so I, I, either way. I, I've reflected on this too, obviously, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased towards the Midwest Premier League. But um, I think there's a real... Um, uh, we're very genuine. I don't know what the what the term is. We're very authentic. genuine, authentic. Um, 
you know, none of us is making, um, you know, in this for, for profit for ourselves or anything like that. You know, we're in it to benefit the clubs. Uh, we do reach out as often as we can to the clubs for feedback. Andy mentioned the surveys. Um, we're having a postseason uh, Zoom meeting that will be scheduled here in the next, I think it'll happen in September, just to kind of get the vibe on everybody. Um, what did they like? What didn't they like? Maybe elaborate a little bit on the surveys. Uh, the board that runs it is made up of six board members from member clubs. Um, and then we've got some disciplinary committee members that are other club representatives. We've got competition committee that is some other clubs. So about, I mean, almost half the clubs are represented in some sort of uh, rulemaking, leadership, review, whatever. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of, you know, clubs have a lot of say in what's going on. The big thing, uh, once people take a look at it, is we're actually uh, the most inexpensive option to compete at this level with these types of minimum standards against some of the other leagues. Um, so we're, we're more affordable. Um, we do a lot while we attempt. And then again, we're only, we just finished our second year. So some of the things that we'd like to do, we haven't got to yet, but um, we've got a couple of board members talking about some continuing education things that we want to host some, um, some partners to maybe host a sponsorship seminar for clubs to call in, listen, ask questions from a professional. In, in a lot of ways, it's the same as the podcast, Nick, where we're trying to get that stuff out there for clubs. Uh, but this will allow a little bit more of a Q&A uh, for all of our members and things like that. So we're trying to put together sort of a winter, you know, mini sessions, maybe four different topics or whatever. Uh, some of those things are happening. And I think there's just, I think there's just some, uh, Andy's got the right word, authenticity, like, like we are what we are and if we're not for you that's cool and if we are let's give it a shot and if you don't fit the mold you, you know if you can't do the off the field things uh one thing that we did more than we want to is enforce minimum standards and i know it probably doesn't seem like a big task but when you're essentially auditing every match for eight or nine key minimum standards and then those have to be enforced against the rule book and fines assessed or bond draws or all those things. Like it's, it's not just collect the check at the beginning of the year. And then you've met your obligation. Like you have to follow through and, and that's why some clubs weren't back. And that's maybe why some clubs won't be back, but um, kind of stick into what we believe in. And, you know, I think that's, that's been a big part of the success, our success and our growth so far. And, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the league is transparent? Do you believe that the league is transparent enough in those um, prerequisites and um, core deliverables? Can the league do a better job in communicating? Who who do we need to communicate to? Are you talking about communicating to the like applicants, new clubs? Is that what you're what you're referring to? Um, anyone like I, I like yeah. I mean yes, obviously new applicants need to know right, but um. Is the has there been an instance like of, of an existing club claiming they don't know rule X existed, um, even though they signed away on it? Um, and also, like potentially, if I want to start a club, um, is there a way of me finding out other than reaching out to you? Are, the, are those criteria available online for my perusal? It uh, it's not. Uh, so um, Andy was part of the expansion committee for you know between twenty one and twenty two. 
Um, obviously, with him stepping away, he hasn't been involved, but the there's three of us on the expansion committee. Um, we've put together a lot of information and tried to do a better job of that. Uh, yes, we've had we've had member clubs that admitted they don't have time to read the rule book, uh, which has caused some headaches. Um, things like that kind of get a little frustrating, but um, yeah, we're very transparent on what those things are. And, and as we go through our ops manual bylaw update here in the off season, um, those are documents that we certainly share with any club that is serious about it. And we've in our expansion packet that that you can uh, reach out through our website and get that information. Um, we have tried to elaborate on some of the things. I think all of this journey has been. Uh, to Andy's point, when we started, none of us had run a league really before, uh, except for our buddy Ante, uh, who brings a thousand years of experience. But the rest of us are give pretty, or take, give or take, plus, yeah, más o menos. Uh, beyond our um, limited experience, most of us in even running a club. Now we're trying to figure out how to run a league, and and I think what we've found is that um, no matter how thorough you are in writing an ops manual, and Andy and I did it before each season, the two of us actually did the updates. Um, no matter what you put in it, there's always a gray area and that's where it gets a little tricky and takes, quite honestly, takes a lot of time to sort through and sift through the information and the facts of each, you know, of each matter and and try to be fair. And then, and then one other thing, speaking of transparency, Nick, is um, our disciplinary committee, every time they rendered a decision about something that happened, we posted it on the league uh, communication app. So. There was transparency. If, if someone got in trouble or a fine was assessed because they did X, all the other clubs were informed. Now, do we know that everybody read the app and paid attention? No, but that's part of the responsibility is we will do a better job communicating it. It's not our fault if you don't read it, though, at that point. And uh, we'll work through some of those as we move along and having our, our postseason meetings and our, our in-person AGM. Uh, again, next year, like those are opportunities where we reinforce the expectations. And like I said, we're not afraid to get smaller. If the right clubs, uh, if, if a club doesn't feel that this is right for them, it's too much. There's too many requirements. Then, then this isn't for you. And we wish you well. You know, we don't want mm -hmm. people to fold because of it. Go find your level. For sure, for sure. Um, let's talk expansion or not expansion, shrinking, shrinkage. I guess um, either or. Like we said at the beginning, 27 from the, the original four is huge growth. Um, that isn't manageable on a volunteer background, that sort of growth. And if you, you know, exponentially grow with this, the same again in the next two years, we're talking, depending on which way you grow, either 40 plus clubs or five times as many clubs, right? So, which is over 100. I can do my math. So um, either, either or is a huge undertaking. Um, how, why, not why, but how do you foresee it being managed going forward if growth continues? And at what point do you think, Jesus, this is not sustainable, this is, or even this is not what I want to be involved in? Andy, if you just trust the ground, we'll be with you in a minute, Andy. You just hang tight. <laughs> so what we've, uh, and this is this is a kudos to Andy, right? Andy was was faced with a task of being the commissioner and one thing that we didn't do a super great job of even three years ago was really defining what Andy's role as the commissioner was. Uh, and then we said, oh, by the way, 
now there's 20 clubs and then, oh, by the way, there's 27 clubs and uh, just do what you do, right? So in light of Andy's departure, we've taken the time, we've put a job description together and, and from our conversations at the board level in the last couple of weeks, um, ideally what we would like to have is a commissioner of each conference as well as a marketing person and pay those people a small stipend, a large stipend if we had it, but a stipend nonetheless, um, and really define what those expectations are. Because uh, to your point, Nick, I, I think it becomes borderline unsustainable for the individuals involved to keep piling on and expecting them to be able to monitor. Uh, and, and I'd love to hear Andy actually go through some of the stuff too, but like all the things you have to keep track of on a match week, uh, and confirming things and answering questions and stuff. Uh, that's how we see trying to solve that problem moving forward is actually sort of to divide and conquer. No, John, that's a, it is, it is going to take, I think more folks as the league continues to grow and looking at what, what is a manageable workload to, to kind of meet those expectations. It, it, it was, you know, there were some things I didn't have to get involved in too much, but, um, I don't want to sound like I'm crying about workload, but I'm crying about workload. It was just uh, there are other interests I have, be it coaching, be it you know, doing doing other things that I think um, I'm you know being involved with clubs uh, directly as opposed to you know <clears throat> at the league level. But and there's there's a significant amount of stuff there I think to manage with respect to you know John mentioned auditing earlier, Nick, and that making sure that the minimum standards are are actually enforced, and we have. We have either thought of or we have identified those what those um, those disciplinary items would be for uh, for clubs that that are either fined or penalized, whatever the case may be, whatever they they're falling short of. Doing that time and time again um, for hundreds of matches is uh, you know, and then getting calls that hey, this this club had this format for player roster, or they don't have any of the players registered whatsoever, and we're you know we're kicking off in one minute. Those are less than fun calls to get, <laughs> um, but we, you know, we attempted to uh, to work through that best we could. Uh, I, and I think, quite honestly, can we improve as a league? Can I improve if I'm in that role again? Absolutely, we all could, but the communication, whatever. But it, communication is a two way street, and a lot of I think a lot of people at the beginning of the season weren't as uh, weren't as well versed in what and how to do it, um, despite the the opportunity. But in the season, we just had it down to a couple of folks who were um, not as compliant as others. I'll put it that way. I think it's as uh, diplomatic as I can be. I'm almost in a position where I don't have to worry about that crap anymore. Um, I can be as unbiased as I want, but I'll still I'll try to be a little <laughs> a little. Was it professional or was it professional? That's a stretch, but I'll take it. Thanks. <laughs> no, 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 okay, all good. All right. Um, what are some as an outsider? What are some of the um, highlights that you will take away from you, from your time as commish? <laughs> um, the a couple of the big ones are just the the connections you make with people. It's just like when I started Old Boys and, and did that, um, getting to meet people in, in the soccer community who may not always be aligned with exactly how you see things, but more often than not, we we all are crazy enough to be involved at some level, be it in the league as a board of director member or committee member or run your own club. Um, and there are folks I never, 
ever would have crossed paths with had it not been for this. Um, and then I, you know, I text on occasion that you, you two are, are on that list as well. Um, and it's, it, that's a, that's a very nice, very nice thing to have, um, you know, to, to have people you can talk, not just soccer with, but, but, you know, those are their connection to talk life with. And that's, that's pretty, um, pretty powerful and pretty amazing. Um, getting to see that the level of soccer that, that was in our league, like just from a, from a soccer perspective or footballing perspective was really damn good. There are some outstanding clubs doing things that are amazing, not just on the pitch, but then you look at what they're doing off the pitch. And I'm, I'm, I know I always call out Lansing common FC as being, you know, a great example of a brand new club um, that is in their, their second year. They just finished their second season, finished second again. Uh, and, and I know, I know you could talk to a couple of those guys up there. They want to, they want some hardware, but what they're doing in their community, similar to what you, what you guys are doing in DeKalb is phenomenal. Uh, how they've kind of galvanized people in a really cool soccer community on a common theme and, and they've embraced the Robin Um They've, they've really done a really, it's really cool to see what they've done to help grow that club and, and grow kind of soccer in the Lansing area. It's been, you know, you've had, you've had some ups and downs there with, with clubs to support identity uh, to, to get behind. And I think the, the crew running that club there, the community focused effort is phenomenal. So that's, those are some of the highlights. I, getting to talk to folks, you know, doing our, our in-person AGM. And, and again, that was my first time participating in an in-person AGM at the soccer level, which isn't sexy, but, but having to run it as a, as a league member or as a, as a representative of the league was awesome. Um, and I would have, I probably would have stretched your definition of professional, Nick, at that meeting. You were there, you know, I had um, the language under. <laughs> but I think it, it was awesome to get that many people in a room, talk about what we, what we're wanting to accomplish, how we want to do this thing. Here's let's let's go do it and and you know you got at the end of the season, um, it it went really really well. So pretty I'm pretty proud of that. I'm pretty uh, humbled to be a part to be allowed to be a part of it. It's pretty awesome. It is as a as a bit player. Um, it's it's a great league to be involved in. Um, John, anything to add? Oh uh, no, I I think. You know, I think one of the things that we took away, just rambling here a little bit, one of the things that we took away from 21 coming into 22 was that the marketing piece of how do we how do we promote our clubs and in many ways make them bigger than they even maybe really are. You know, like we're just kind of selling selling our clubs as as the best we can get. And uh, and I think you saw that and tell me if you didn't, but I think with, with Kyle and Oh, Joe and Tom and I mean, all the marketing guys, I mean, they did some really cool stuff. And I felt from, I mean, I wasn't monitoring it daily, but they were very consistent. You know, we had the match of the week stuff out every week, I believe. Um, I just think they did a really good job. And I think, I don't think there's another league that I follow at least that, that does as much to promote, you know, at this level. Um, so I was really pleased that the league, um, all I mean, all the board members and the, and the people that step up to help out were, were willing and able and, and saw the vision and, and then carried it out because um, I think that's an important thing. Like everybody, when they join a league, they get a nice press release, great. 
but then to provide that additional content as the year went on, I think, I think the clubs valued that and, and their feedback tells us they did. So um, I, I thought that was an important thing that we had adapted from 21 to 22 and then uh, looking forward to see where we go in the future with it. Mm -hmm. For sure. I think it speaks testament to certainly what Kyle did. Joe, you know, we'll talk about Joe, but Kyle, you know, getting his um, move up the leagues to Detroit as well. I think that's, you know, this is it, his work stands for stands firm. But anyway. um, talking of improvement, have you did you see improvement on the field um, in terms of the playing standard in any way? I that, that's hard. It's hard to say, Nick, because I, I didn't get a chance. I I didn't see any matches in person uh, in the US Premier League for the second season in a row. It's disappointing. Hell but, of a commissioner. Uh, well, again, as, as with <laughs> other with folks, sandwiches, that's what it was. <laughs> possibly. No, the um, running, a, running a club that competed in a different league was uh, took a lot of the time as well as coaching uh, did. But I mean, from, from games I saw, I, I think, and just looking at the overall table, the, the gap, I mean, our top five clubs in uh, the West were separated by seven points, which in a very condensed season, it may sound like a lot, but it, you know, a, a game here or there um, could have really flipped the, the table there. It, and quite frankly, we had three clubs at 24 points in the West. So that was, uh, and to me, um, you know, then, you know, the club in fourth place uh, conceded nine goals in 11 matches all season. So that's, to me, that's an incredible tight, <laughs> bunch there um in the east you had you know again top five were separated by five points so it you know there was a lot of uh you know the goal differentials weren't as as significantly gapped as they were a year ago and, and from what i recall uh i have this year's information up in front of me not last year not, not 21s but it, you know you had newcomers who who were competing from day one to to win um you know, there were some that, that, you know, stuck out as very uh, aggressive. And he had some folks uh, who couldn't get, couldn't, I don't say couldn't get out of their way. They had some issues and they just couldn't put a run together. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but I'm, I'm sure that those clubs are looking to kind of get back to it and see what, see what happens in 23. John, did you see any marked uptick? I know we got better, but we're not really talking about this. Yeah, you know, it, I, I agree with Andy. I, I don't know how you measure it. I mean, uh, the, congrats to the Bavarians. I mean, they went and won the Amateur Cup uh, national champions again, and, and they were obviously our West champion. Um, I mean, whether it's whether it's good, great, or whatever, um, I mean, to your point, Andy, a bunch of teams real close on points with the Bavarians, and I think you could make a case that they're – uh, the best amateur club, you know, in the country on the field. Um, and we had a bunch of teams right up there with them. So, I mean, I would, I would like to think at least in the West, you know, we're, we're among the most competitive group. Um, I don't know. I don't know the whole country, so but, I shouldn't say it's that. Not, it's a dead end question. I apologize for it. But no, okay. but, but, but no, I think it's, I think it is. I think there's, I think if you are a, player that wants to play against the best, I think you can get that in the Midwest Premier League. That's what I think. I think if you're a coach that ha wants to find a, a club for their their college, you know, your college players to go play, I think the Midwest Premier League is a great option personally, but um, again, I'm biased, so who knows? 
It, it, oh. It's the best. It's the best option for that. It might, quite frankly, you're going to play either either any division. You're going to play against some of the best clubs in that, not just state, but in the region. And there's opportunities with other competitions throughout the summer. Uh, and, you know, we talked about the Amateur Cup being one of them. That the Bavarians won their ninth national title in the USASA Amateur Cup. That's that's not small potato. That's that's competition. These and and again, Bavarians have produced, you know, through their ranks, and have brought back several Division One college players, some some burgeoning pro players as well. I would put, I would definitely put the the, the cream of the crop in the Midwest Premier League against anybody at that level in NPSL, USL League Two, um, other leagues in that uh, area as well. They're, it's a it's a hell of a mm-hmm. league. And about by virtue of winning the USA, 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 USA Cup, um, they're in the they're in the Open Cup now as well. Qualifying so, spot. Yeah, so we will we will see we will see. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, if I give you a magic wand, Andy, what without getting into the nitty gritty of how, what's one thing that you would fix or change in US soccer? The president. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Midwest Premier League. Sorry. Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> and the, the one the one wave of the one would be a favor to somebody. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a really good question, Nick. And I don't I don't know. I I mean everyone everyone thinks that, you know, I don't think this is a podcast or or I'm definitely not prepared to have a pro rail conversation. Other than I think that's this just is not a, this is not the podcast because right, everyone but, just but, switch off. <laughs> right. I'm not but I also think that's that a way. simplistic view, right? I think there's so much more to it, but to me it would be the 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 pursuit of how we as as not just a league or, or group of clubs really emphasize this level of soccer, the, the quasi like the post youth club, maybe not traditional college pathway, not professional, but maybe in between that truly is a is a spot where you can identify you can identify exceptional talent that could be we i don't think we do enough here to grow that level of soccer to to try to provide our athletes with either coaching opportunities or some other soccer opportunities as a pathway for them and i think this league has done that and we've we've tinkered with the idea of what would a longer season look like how do we have, how do we gauge interest is it doesn't make sense and that's hard as hell to do because it's there's a there's you know a host of folks you know that rely on uh, college athletes to kind of fill, fulfill their roster obligations so there's no real one good way to do it but i think advocating for this level of soccer and getting you know support be it financial or infrastructure or whatever from from us soccer to help this level to manage to to again we're all doing vast majority of folks are doing it for the right reasons to be in a community be involved bring people together for the the game that we all love they're not doing it to make make money I, and I, if you can do it to make money it, you're way smarter than i am because i don't know how the hell that's possible um having done it for five years on a club level so I, it's yeah that's that's the biggest yeah, thing no, it, no. i like that it looks like john's taking notes like he's never thought of reinvigorating the college system or something but um <laughs> i find it interesting just as a byproduct i always find it interesting that when you ask 
guys like you and guys that are involved in soccer clubs, the Johns and whoever else is. Um, the answer invariably is the playing pipeline, the playing side of things, which you know makes sense, except for the fact that you are at World Cups and you are consistently competing against the best in the world. I don't think there's an issue with the with the top end player development. Um, obviously, there's a big drop off from you know the mid level MLS down to where we are, and there's not an awful lot in between, with all due respect to NISA and USL and whatever else. But um, and clearly that needs to be addressed. But I know I th I think the issues. This is a terrible form answering your own question. I think the issues are more off the field in terms of the the American populace understanding of what it is to support non-major league sport. That's a no, that's a good that's a good point. Maybe and maybe I was really bad at answering your question no. in that way. That's why we start season the seasons with you, Andy. Is that that bar where we want it? <laughs> I you know that's um <laughs> I, I miss maybe my last time on this podcast, guys. Uh, <laughs> Promise? But, oh no, no, you can't get rid of me that easily, Nick. Nice try. No, the dear, no. To your point, in terms of the the clubs, that, I guess for those, it's it's a it works in a parallel path for those players' opportunities. It, it's not just the playing to develop and get them opportunities to play professionally or whatever, but it's it's that spot to do a sport you love and, and continue to play. If there aren't clubs there that exist, there's not that opportunity. In order to make sure that we have those clubs, there needs to be infrastructure. There needs to be opportunity and investment downward. In order to do that, it, it is an educational piece where it you need to understand that it's it's what what are we trying to accomplish and what what is what makes sense with this level of soccer. To me, it's truly about getting together, watching a game, your local club, supporting that local side, and and having two two hours to just forget about all the crap you've had to deal with all week at work. And we only have 10 weeks, 12, 14 weeks in this league format currently to do that. And, and mm -hmm. of that half of that is your home is a home match. So you only have in your community five to seven weekends available to really influence positively from a on the field product. The idea, the pipe dream that we, that some of us have, um, I think the three of us have, is how do we make it longer term, more sustainable, and more impactful? Because again, I think there's great things that can come from going to a soccer match. I, it's you know, opportunity for communion with your with your fellow uh, supporters or your fellow people. Opportunity to meet new people and, and understand kind of the total mix of your community, what it looks like. Soccer does that better than anything else, to me. But. Andy, so Nick called my ass out for taking notes. And the thing I wrote down, as a matter of fact, was culture. And, and, and Nick and I have had this talk far too many times. There's no culture. There's two problems. There's no culture for the sport here yet in, in mass, right, in, in big numbers. Um, and we have to figure out how to change that. Um, and, I, and I think the other thing, and this is important as of us recording this, our DKCU Academy is actually have their first training sessions officially tonight. Um, of course, people ask Jenny and I questions about the Academy, even though we don't have anything directly to do with it. And, and there's a lot of talk about development and is my kid on the right team and are they this and can we do this and they, are they're not good enough to do this. 
And, and all, all of this craziness that I've been a part of is because I love the game. It has nothing to do with my talent level or as you know, now or ever. Um, but, but we have to teach people to love the game, playing the game, watching the game. Um, we have to create those cultural moments. That's why I am more impressed, obviously, with a, a club that does off the field stuff than I am with a club that wins all the time. And, and I want to win all the time selfishly, but um, I've seen what we've done as a club in our community. And now that the two youth clubs have become our academy, those kids that are, that are taking pictures of their new academy swag that they just got last week, these kids are like super proud to wear this stuff, right? We are creating love for the game that, that is in many ways a generational thing. You know, we're creating that. The, I always I tell people, kids are going to get better if they love it, right? If I love going to dance or I love going to gymnastics or I love going to basketball, I'm going to get better at it. I'm not going to get better at it if I'm going because I got signed up. So the first thing you have to do is make the kids want to come. Make them love it. When they love it, they don't even realize that they're developing and getting better. And I think that's one of the things that – that coaches, parents, we have to get, we just have to make them fall in love. And, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges, uh, as Nick brought up, is, is we don't support anything under, under professional here, really. And we have to create those moments in our communities where we're bringing people together, making friends, uh, where we have stories to tell later about, remember when we did that away trip to Lansing or whatever it is we have to create those memories and that ties that that uh, relationship back to the club which ultimately makes it more sustainable long term and allows you know it just opens up so many opportunities and and i think that's a, it's a long game it doesn't shift overnight but the cultural the cultural shift is upon us if we put an emphasis on off the field instead of just on the field agreed agreed it's it's that age old Dichotomy between team and club, isn't it? Realistically, yeah, yeah. I think. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, what lies ahead, Andy? Um, without you know, giving your you giving your diary appointments or whatever. Like, if you're getting rid of all this, <laughs> all these burdens on your time, what are you going to do with that extra time? Uh, more soccer. Uh, short answer. Um, <laughs> uh, this this fall and and probably. Um, for the foreseeable future, do what I can to kind of to be more active in my my community coach. Uh, so actually, I'm, as we're talking now, I'm heading out to um, high school practice now. It's my first time at a, a high school staff, so it's kind of uh, exciting. Um, I've I've been fortunate enough. My my youngest son uh, has got into coaching himself at the club that I last coached him. So that's kind of that's pretty cool to kind of see that that happen. Um, and then. We'll see. I think there are a couple of clubs I would like to work with directly in a more, um, as, I don't say necessarily hands-on, but more involved manner that I couldn't do as commissioner. Uh, and hopefully, you know, that'll be uh, something we can, you know, I can not necessarily mm -hmm. on this this forum, but uh, in some form or fashion, kind of walk through. I, I'm definitely excited about that. That's uh, the kind of the next uh, the next soccer chapter, and then. Outside of that, we'll see what happens with the old boys. But that's a that's a um, 
definitely a project of love that I that uh, sometimes can drive me a little crazy. <laughs> we we need to get that Indianapolis hole in the league filled, whether it's with you or or the Indiana hole rather, not the Indianapolis hole. There you go. I didn't make a mistake after all that. But yeah, because <laughs> that that's, uh, it's a, it's a nice dividing line between the East and the West. But you know, we could do better with it. I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, have we had interest thus far? Um, in expanding that number of 27 up to 30 or 35 or 40 for 2023? Is this news in the pipeline or phone calls uh, happening or what? Well, I mean, there, there's been a number of clubs that we've had conversations with. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think really generally people, the, the people that are out running clubs are looking at their options. And I think they, I think we catch their eye. Um, and that's all we want to do is be an option. We We don't, we don't think we're a good fit for everybody, but we think there's certainly a spot where we are the best fit as well for the right club. So, um, yeah, the conversations are happening uh, nearly daily with clubs uh, mm-hmm. across the region. And and uh, a couple things we've done, we actually have a, a long-term plan. We kind of call it the 23rd plan. Uh, but we've actually got a strategy to grow um, – amateur soccer in region two of the USASA and work with the work with the staff at USASA to try to, you know, build up their tournaments and yeah. some of the things they do. And that's that's interesting. I, I was meaning to ask, um, have you had any dealings with the suits, you know, the, the people who nominally run this sport outside of the Midwest Premier League? Um, are, are they aware of the Midwest Prem? Are they interested? Are they threatened? Are they engaging? What? No, there. Yeah, we have had conversations actually more frequently than you'd expect. Um, no, very supportive of what we're doing. Um, sort of try, you know, obviously without tiers or levels firmly described, um, it's still a little bit of of the wild west. But uh, no, I think they generally understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, um, and I think they're aware that we're. We're sort of on the rise. I don't. I don't think we're out kicking our coverage with with what we're asking clubs to do at, that want to be taken seriously. And and to be honest with you, you know, you have to take yourself seriously. The way some of these clubs operate, very sponsor heavy. Uh, you gotta you gotta go out and and sell that you're um, more than just a team, right? You're not just twelve mates out on a Sunday morning. You have to do something else and us holding clubs to a high standard helps them sort of have that professionalism in their community as well and be taken seriously. So uh, I think it is what it is. Like I said, I don't think we're for everybody, but uh, I think there's a lot of potential. And from the the clubs that have reached out to us, I think there's also, um, I think this growth that we saw 30%, 25%, I think that'll be fairly consistent for a while because I think they're, I think the clubs exist. And especially when you get into World Cup years, I think we'll see some more teams popping up next year and maybe those teams evolve into clubs and, and on and on it goes. Yeah, I mean, we I know we've spoken in the past about my love for, not love, that's wrong, my desire for um the, the, the league and leagues generally, regional leagues, to become less white, bluntly, um, whatever that looks like, you know, but that's a conversation for another day. And I, again, I don't believe it's necessarily something a league can drive so much as, you know, you, you're, you are responsive to whoever shows an interest. Again, you don't go and pick and choose and say, we yes, want I this am. Club and 
pill for them from someone else. Um, Andy, you still with us? Oh, look at that. You can multitask. Okay, cool. Um, I, I'm going to wind it down just because, you know, as you said, you've got somewhere to be. So um, on my sole words, um, thank you so much for everything you've done for um, <laughs> growing the league and for giving me a shield from John in the past. The Lord only knows what it's going to be like um, without you there to bounce ideas off. Um, but I know that I truly believe that the league um, wouldn't have done gone the way it had done uh, without you at the helm. So genuinely, thank you very much. I wish you all the best in your future endeavours. Um, you will, of course, be welcome on this podcast again, should you have something soccer worthy to well, talk I about. But if it's just for oh, bench press 450, um, but now I know, I know, I know the uh, forum to kind of announce that to the world. So I've got, I've got a new goal. Um, <laughs> but, Nick, I appreciate those kind of words. I, I, I definitely, definitely do. Uh, it's, but again, for me, I, I, I probably, it's somewhat more selfish on my end where I've, I've been able to kind of really pick some brains from people who have, re- have done a really good job of running clubs um, and, and get involved with them and see what, what it means to their communities to have this type of, this type of outlet uh, to either build a club or participate uh, with their, you know, you know, local area. So it's, it's been pretty awesome. Um, I really enjoy kind of the banter that, that you know, participating with the board uh, afforded me. Uh, some more than others, I think. Uh, some some were very good at, at giving me banter. Uh, Ivaldo, especially, um, he had a nice, uh, really sweet memo on the on a on a note he sent to me. Um, I, I can't repeat it as I'm heading to high school soccer practice. If that tells you anything, but if you know Ivaldo, you know he, he meant it with love. Um, but yeah, no, that's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I also realize I, I do have to help kick off the season stuff, on this right. podcast, so I can yeah. set the bar uh, low enough so the guests can come Now the time has come for leaving, fear, now we shall return. We were so glad we could make it, but so sad we gotta run. Well, it might be a long time till we raise another glass. You can rest assured that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh. Yeah, we'll have ourselves a laugh. Hooray.